Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us. And let me add my welcome uh, to our online Sunday morning service. We're continuing uh, with our mini-series, Christian Virtues, for a time like this. Last week, Willie looked at the virtue of perseverance from the book of Hebrews. This week, we're focusing on faith. And we're staying in the book of Hebrews, and we're looking at the opening verses of chapter 11. Chapter 11 is the great chapter focusing on faith, the heroes of faith. Why is chapter 11 here? What's its purpose in the overall context of the book of Hebrews? Well, let's not forget that the writer is writing to people who were struggling. He's writing to Jews brought up in the Jewish faith. People who had professed faith in Jesus Christ at great cost. Some had come to genuine saving faith in Jesus Christ. Others had been swept along by the great wave of Christianity and had professed faith but not come to real saving faith. They were now facing persecution. Many had been ostracized from their communities some from their, their families. They were under severe pressure to abandon the Christian faith and to turn their back on following Jesus Christ. And so they found themselves struggling against all the odds. So we come to chapter 11, this great chapter of faith. And first the writer will exhort his readers by reminding them what faith does or how faith works in verses 1 to 3. Then from verse 4 on, he will show them what real faith looks like as seen in the lives of their forefathers. He reels off illustration after illustration in this great catalog of the heroes of faith drawn from the Old Testament scriptures. And the writer says, look, He's encouraging his readers, just, just look at the challenges and difficulties that they faced in their lives. They didn't turn back. They didn't waver. They went on and by faith, trusting God. This is what real faith looks like. Just look at how God sustained them in their testimonies through all their struggles it was by faith, just like God sustained David, as we were thinking about in Psalm 63. And so for us today, this same God, the God of Hebrews chapter 11, is our God. And this same God will sustain you through your struggles by faith, if only you will trust Him. So many people are struggling living through this pandemic. Students struggling with the challenges and monotony of continuing their studies remotely online. It's not easy. Folks who have lost their job and are now struggling to find work. Families struggling with the pressures of juggling homeschooling and work commitments. 
older folks struggling with health concerns, separation from family, or having to adapt to technology in this virtual world. Mental health issues, struggling with isolation, anxiety, and uncertainty. These are difficult days. People are struggling. Perhaps, Christian, today you're at your lowest point. Your faith is weak. It feels as though God is so distant. It feels as if God is not in control. And it's precisely at these times that you must have faith. You must trust God. Perhaps you're not a Christian. Perhaps you have never come to faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've been close, but you've never taken that commitment. You've never fully given your life to Jesus. Maybe like some of these readers of the the Hebrew letter, you're in danger of shrinking back. Shrinking back from trusting Jesus. You know, Jesus asked his disciples a question. When they faced a storm on the Sea of Galilee, when they were afraid, when they were fearing for their own lives, Jesus asked them this question. He said, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Is it in your savings, your investments, your pension plan? Have you got your life plan all worked out? Is it in your health, your fitness, your well-being, in your family, in politics? Surely no one's that daft. In your church, in your pastor. All of these things can fail you or be wiped out in an instant. Where is your faith? Who would you trust with your life? Who would you trust with your death? There is only one person you can trust, and it's Jesus. It's Jesus that the Hebrew letter is pointing us to. Well, let's look at the opening verses of Hebrews chapter 11. First of all, verses 1 to 3. Now, this is not so much a definition of faith. It is more a description of what faith does Or how it works. You know, sometimes we speak about faith as though it were a substance or a thing. Faith is really a response. It is a whole life that I live in response to the God that I have and the promises He makes. Let me say that one more time. Faith is the whole life that I live in response to the God that I have and the promises that he makes. That life of faith begins when you turn from your sin and you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. By faith, you rest on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, that he paid the price for your sins. However, that is not the end of faith. That is only the beginning. From there begins, flows, a life of faith in response to the God that you have found. And to the promises that he makes to you in his word. I will trust him. I will rest on his promises. I will build my whole life upon them. Listen to verse 1 of Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance or the substance. 
Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, or as another translation puts it, things yet to come. What does this mean? Well, this is what faith does. It holds on to the promises of God in Scripture. Not all of which are fully realized in our lives, but through faith we have assurance, a conviction that those promises are as good as fulfilled. You know, this is uh, exactly what John Newton wrote in his wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope, secures. But it's more than that. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Things not seen. It takes us into the realm of the spiritual. Faith takes us into the realm of the invisible. You know, the the readers of this letter, they had grown up in the Jewish faith. They were accustomed to a very visible world. The temple, uh, the priests, the, the sacrifices, and so on. But even in the Old Testament, faith had a deep-seated conviction in things that couldn't be seen. This is what the writer goes on to illustrate through the testimonies of the heroes of faith. Take Noah, for example, down in verse 7. Noah who built the ark, a huge boat in the middle of the desert where there was no water, no sea. How and why did Noah do it? It was by faith. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. In reverent fear constructed an ark. Noah trusted God. Verse 8, look at Abraham. He obeyed God. He went to a place that he had never seen. He trusted God about something he had never seen. Joseph, in verse 22, saw that God would give his descendants a land. And so he instructed that his bones be carried there after he died. He trusted God. What about Moses in verse 27? By faith, Moses left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is Invisible. You see the pattern? The heroes of faith kept trusting God about things they couldn't see with the natural eye. There was something different about them. They set their sights on the word of God and on his promises and in his power. This is how faith works. Look at verse 2. For by it the people of old received their commendation. You know, as Christians, we don't live for this world, but for the world to come. We don't live our lives on the basis of our eyes and what we see. It's more on the basis of our ears and what we hear by what God says in his word and the promises he makes to us. We walk by faith and not by sight. Look at verse 3. This is a really interesting verse. The writer goes back to creation. By faith, we understand. Faith is not mindless. By faith, we understand that the universe was created 
by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What's his point? Well, this universe, this material universe, God created it out of nothing. He brought the visible into being from the invisible, the material out of the spiritual. How? By the word of God. And here's the point. If God's word did that, if God brought this universe into being out of nothing, then why would you doubt the word of God today? If God can do that, then you can be sure that the promises in his word are utterly reliable. You can trust God. You can stand on every promise of his word. How firm a foundation. This is how faith works. This is what faith is. It is trusting God. It is laying hold on his promises and resting on them. But what does faith look like? What does it look like in a person's life? Well, that brings us to verses 4 to 7. And here we have three illustrations, all drawn from the book of Genesis. Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And from uh, these illustrations, we are given three different pictures of what real faith looks like. Let's think about Abel, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. In Abel, we see that real faith is worship in response to God. Abel offered to God. Now you go back to Genesis 4 and it's a sad story. These two brothers, Cain and Abel, two very different brothers. Cain had an interest in agriculture, in the, in the land. He was a worker of the ground, whereas Abel was a shepherd, a keeper of sheep. Now both boys brought offerings to God. Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. Now we read in Genesis 4 that God had regard for Abel's offering, but he had no regard for Cain's. Abel's was a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Now there's two aspects for why. There's the offering itself, the sacrifice that each brother brought. Abel's involved a life being taken, blood being shed, whereas Cain's didn't. But it's the second aspect that I want to focus on uh, just now. And it's not so much to do with the offering, but it's more to do with the offerer. And the attitude of the offering, offerer as he brings his offering, the disposition of the offerer. You see, what Genesis 4 seems to emphasize is that Abel put God first. He gave the firstborn of his flock. He gave the very best. And real faith puts God first. That was the worship of Abel's heart. This is what real faith looks like. It is a life 
lived in worship to God and puts God first, no matter what the circumstances. That has to be true of everything. My time, my talents, my family, my finances, that God has the very best, that I will put God first. Not just on Sundays, but on every day. Not just when I'm with other Christians, but regardless of whoever I'm with, wherever I am. And not just in the good times of life, but in the difficult times. And in the days when I'm struggling and during lockdown, I'll put God first. Well, you say that's easy to say, and it is. And that's all well and good, but it didn't turn out too well for Abel. He got himself murdered. But listen to what the writer says about Abel's faith. Through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Hundreds of years, thousands of years later, Abel's faith still speaks. It speaks to us today. What about yours? What about your faith? Will it speak after you've gone? Does your faith speak to others now? Real faith looks like a life of worship that puts God first. Let's move on to verses 5 to 6 to Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So the writer here emphasizes two things about Enoch. First, that God took him. And second, that God loved him. God took him. Enoch did not see death. God took him up to be with him. And secondly, God loved him. Enoch had this testimony, the greatest testimony anyone could ever have. He pleased God. God loved him. Now, Genesis 5 is where you'll read briefly about Enoch. It's sometimes known as the chapter of death. It's um, the chapter that traces the descendants um, of Adam through to Noah. And after each descendant, there is the phrase, the repeated phrase, and he died, one after the other, and he died. Except for one man, Enoch, he was different. He stands out from all the others. He lived at a time when there was great wickedness on the earth. And Genesis 5 twice over records that Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. He stood out from all the wickedness that surrounded him. And it's our second picture of what real faith looks like. It is a whole life of faith. And it's like a long walk with God. You know, you put your hand in His and you let God guide you through life. A long walk with God. You know, it's still one of the few things that you can do in lockdown. Go for a walk with someone. I think I know Duffy Park like the back of my hand now. But what a lovely thing to do. To get to know someone better. To spend time with someone. To listen to them. To, to share 
your burdens, your worries, your joys with that person. And it's just a little picture of the life of faith. Walking with God. Listening to Him. Getting to know Him better. Sharing with Him your, your burdens, your, your concerns, your joys. And as I walk with God, I'm changed. And I'm being changed. And I stand out and I'm different because I'm following God. Verse 6 we read, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. What is this reward? God rewards those who seek Him. Well, isn't it the case that when you enjoy spending time with someone, that they themselves are the reward? You know, you, you, you build a relationship, you, you get to know them. God Himself is our reward. Finally, real faith worships God and puts Him first. We saw that from Abel. Real faith walks with God in a life that stands out from all those around us. And finally, in Noah, faith puts God's Word at the center of our lives. Just look at verse 7. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah being warned by God, in reverent fear, constructed an ark. See, Noah allowed the Word of God to direct his life. He built the ark. When all around him mocked him and despised him, he believed the Word of God. He believed that judgment was coming. And so as we bring this to a close, what about you today? If Jesus asked you, where is your faith? What would you say? Yes, Lord, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in your death and in your resurrection. I'm trusting in your sacrifice to forgive my sin and to bring me into relationship with God. Or is your faith in something or someone else? Jesus Christ is the only way to God. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord, come to Him today. Turn from your sin and trust Him and begin that walk of faith. And maybe, Christian, you are struggling against all the odds, just like uh, the readers of this letter. Listen to what the writer says at the end of chapter 10. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls.
Keep going on. Keep going on in faith, trusting in the promises of God. He is a God who is worthy of your faith. His promises are sure. You can rely on the promises of God and He will sustain you and He will bring you through. May God bless His word. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you that you are a God in whom we can trust. We thank you that you are a God who keeps his promises. A God whose word is eternal and powerful. We worship you today for the God that you are. We pray for all those who are listening and struggling passing through these difficult days. We ask, Lord, that you would lift them up, cause them to seek you, to trust you. Pray that you would strengthen their faith and encourage them. May they know your sustaining power in their lives. We pray for those um, listening who perhaps have not come to faith in Jesus. We pray, Father, that you would speak into their lives today from your word and bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. And we just ask that you would bless us now in Jesus Christ. Amen.